regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you've joined us on the program today. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about a uh, new development in a story we first reported on, I guess this was late last week, a uh, study done in Ingham County, Michigan. So this is the... Um, uh, this is Lansing, Michigan. This is basically the uh, the state capital area. Uh, and there was a, a nonprofit group that had taken a look at uh, the number of individuals arrested for basically carrying a gun without a license. Uh, and they wanted to look specifically at whether or not there were racial disparities in terms of the arrests and prosecutions. We've talked about this uh, previously with the, uh, the the public defender's brief filed in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin and the New York public defenders noting that Despite the fact that uh, New York City is majority white, the vast majority of individuals who are charged with the violent crime of simply possessing a firearm without a license are black and Hispanic. Well, as it turns out, this is uh, not limited solely to New York City. No, no, this is a, a commonality that we are seeing around the country. And the prosecutor in Ingham County, Michigan, now says that uh, she is going to dial back the use of uh, and the prosecution of carrying firearms without a license. Uh, Carol Seaman says her office intends to counter racial inequities by dialing back how often it uses a certain gun possession charge. Under Michigan law, being convicted with felony possession of a firearm results in a mandatory minimum sentence of two years behind bars. Prosecutors can tack on the offense if someone has a gun with them when they commit or attempt to commit a felony. Uh, the law adopted in 1976 was intended to deter people from carrying firearms, Seaman said. Well, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm glad to see this because, again, this is a charge that not only can be tacked on if there are other violent offenses, this is a charge that can be filed if it's the only offense. You're simply carrying a firearm without a license, and all of a sudden now you're facing two years behind bars. Um, it is true. Michigan is a shall-issue state, so if you can meet the statutory requirements, you undergo the training, you can get your carry license. Still, it costs 100 bucks for you to get that license, costs more for you to uh, get the mandated training, uh, and I'm sure that there are some individuals who uh, are not able to afford the governmental fees, or at least it is a burden uh, for them to pay those governmental fees. But I also think it goes deeper than that. I think in a lot of cities, I mean, as, as Seaman herself pointed out, this law was put in the books in 1976 with the intent of trying to prevent people from carrying a firearm. Now, 1976 is the same year that Washington, D.C. passed its ban on handguns. It's the same year that Handgun Control Incorporated, now known as Brady, uh, put a voter referendum on the ballot in Massachusetts that would have banned the possession of handguns. That referendum, by the way, failed. Uh, in our bicentennial. It might actually pass in Massachusetts today, which is the uh, really sad thing. But that was the, I, I would argue, one of the heights of the modern gun control movement was 1976 or so. Uh, within six years, the gun control movement would convince Chicago and several Chicago suburbs to also ban handguns. So, you know, that law in Michigan was put on the books at a time in which violent crime, again, was was rising. Uh, gun control advocates insisted that the way to reduce violent crime was to restrict the ability of individuals to both own and carry firearms, uh, and that's what they did. Didn't stop violent crime from going up, however. 
Because again, the number of violent criminals in any given community far smaller than the body of people who would lawfully and responsibly carry firearms or own them if given the opportunity. So I'm, I am glad to see the prosecutor is revisiting this decision. And look, it, it, the inequities are bad in Ingham County. Uh, they absolutely are. Black people make up 12% of the population of Ingham County. They accounted for 67% of those charged with felony firearm possession in the county last year, according to the prosecutor's office. More than 80% of the people serving time in prison in Michigan on felony firearm charges are black, according to a recent report from Safe and Just Michigan, a nonprofit that seeks to end mass incarceration. Although Seaman can't stop police from arresting people for firearm possession, she says her office will be more limited in approving the charge. Any use of the charge will need to be okayed by Seaman herself or the county's chief assistant prosecutor, according to that new policy announced on Tuesday. Again, I, I'm, I'm in favor of this. I really am. But, but it can't stop there. Because, again, I believe that black or white or Hispanic or Asian residents of Democrat-controlled cities have for decades been told gun ownership is bad. We don't want you owning a gun. We're going to do everything we can to prevent you owning a gun. They've made gun ownership taboo. And I truly believe that in order to address these inequities, you have to get rid of that attitude that is still inherent in so many Democratic politicians who are in control of these cities. They need to give up on the idea of trying not only to ban their way to safety, but trying to scold their way to safety by preventing individuals or shaming individuals who want to exercise their Second Amendment rights. They need to actually bring in Firearms training. Bring in folks like Matt Ray from Black Guns Matter or Kevin Dixie uh, from No Other Choice or, or local firearms instructors from their communities who can go into these urban areas and offer real instruction, real basic training, real basic safety courses. Not, not the gun control advocate's idea of gun safety, which is don't own a gun. That, that's, that's what their definition of gun safety is. I'm talking about for people who want to own a firearm, for people who maybe already own a firearm. Give them the education and training that typically is not available to them uh, in these urban areas. Change the zoning laws to allow for gun ranges to operate in these communities. Bring in programs like JROTC, the 4-8 shooting sports, so that you can start inculcating a culture of responsible gun ownership at a very young age. That, again... A 180-degree difference from the attitudes that are so prevalent among the politicians in charge of places like Lansing, Michigan. And I know that that's a heavy lift. I, I, I know it's not going to be done overnight. I know that these Democratic politicians are going to resist. But if you really want to make these changes and you really want to see positive results, you can't stop just by saying, listen, we're not going to uh, prosecute you know, the, the charge of carrying a gun without a license uh, as often. Uh, we're going to, you know, only use it when there are underlying violent offenses. That, again, that's great. I'm glad to see it. But we've got to go farther than what the uh, prosecutor is doing there in uh, Ingham County, Michigan. And of course, uh, you know, in New York, we actually wrote about this at Bearing Arms earlier today. Prosecutors are actually um, uh, trying to fast track 
uh, gun possession cases. Now, they've got a backlog of about 4,000 of them that have developed over the past year and a half. And rather than saying, you know what, it's kind of stupid. I mean, we got the Supreme Court who's even looking at the constitutionality of our gun laws. Maybe we'll just, you know, no process these uh, cases if they don't uh, involve a uh, underlying violent crime. No, no, no. In New York, again, simply carrying a firearm without a license is considered under state law to be a violent crime, punishable by three and a half to 15 years in prison. Carrying a, a gun without a license that the average citizen can't get. And in the five boroughs of New York, they're fast-tracking these cases now. Even as the Supreme Court is spending its summer going through the dozens of amicus briefs that have been filed in support of the challenge to New York's carry laws, New York City itself is doing everything it can to put more people in prison for the violent crime of carrying a firearm without a license that the average citizen cannot obtain. So this isn't an issue just in Ingham County. This isn't an issue just in New York City. This is an issue, I would argue, that is happening in every city across the country. I just don't think the Democrats are serious about actually addressing the uh, iniquities uh, or uh, the real solutions here. All right, let's turn our attention now to uh, today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We're going to start there with a story out of San Antonio this is kind of a weird one. A uh, man, Angel Sanchez, has been charged with murder after the San Antonio Police Department accidentally killed his common-law wife during a standoff. Uh, Sanchez apparently was uh, separated from his wife, was not supposed to be uh, anywhere near her. As a matter of fact, Mr. Sanchez was supposed to have a GPS monitor device on his ankle because he was out on bond for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Uh, he was charged last August, almost a year ago, with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Still hasn't gone to trial. Still out on bond. Again, supposed to be wearing this GPS monitor on his ankle. Six days before this standoff occurred, he cut off his GPS device, allegedly. An arrest warrant was issued. But again, <laughs> supposedly these GPS devices, they're, they're you know, we're supposed to be able to keep track of criminals. Well, when they cut off their device, you know what happens? Nothing happens. A warrant is issued for their arrest. If we find them, great. But it's not like an all-points bulletin is put out. Go after Mr. Sanchez here. He's uh, absconded from his bond. No, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. They cut off the device. And there are very few consequences. In this case, Mr. Sanchez uh, returned to uh, the home was occupied by his common-law wife uh, and uh, her three children, ages 11, 5, and 3 months. Got there between 11 a.m. and noon back on July 25th. He had a shotgun. He had a vest. Said he was going to kill himself and his wife. Would not allow her or the children to leave. Uh, the next day, around 8 p.m. in the evening, um, she told her 11-year-old to call 911, but the child could not tell the 911 operator anything because Sanchez threatened to kill the child, according to police affidavit. At some point, the child's mom sent text messages and pictures from a security camera to a relative who then was able to call 911. Officers arrived at the apartment complex and determined that they would need more help. Two officers hid behind a shed. They could see the door uh, to this woman's apartment. I don't want to keep referring to her as uh, this woman. Uh, Nita Tirina, I believe is how you pronounce her name. And then about an hour after these two officers showed up, Sanchez stepped out of the apartment. He pointed the shotgun uh, towards the officers, and then went back inside. 
SWAT team soon arrived after that. Officers positioning themselves on a rooftop, providing a direct line of sight to the apartment door. About 1045, police advised that Sanchez was, quote, coming outside and wanted to die. When he came out, the suspect pointed the shotgun to the two officers that had hidden behind a shed. That's when officers on the roof opened fire. Sanchez was struck several times. He fell just outside the apartment door. And when officers uh, took him away and secured the children, that's when they found his common-law wife, Anita Tarina, who had been shot and killed as well. The uh, police affidavit says, were it not for the defendant's actions, the police officers would not have fired their weapons. Sanchez apparently is going to recover from his injuries. He's now been charged with three counts of aggravated assault on a police officer, in addition to facing those first-degree murder charges. And again, I would argue that given Mr. Sanchez's previous lengthy criminal history, he probably should have been out on bond to begin with. The fact that he was out on bond for over a year awaiting trial on this aggravated assault with a weapon charge. Look, someone's got to answer some questions here. Because uh, the wheels of justice grind slowly. But they're not supposed to come to a complete halt. Uh, And in this case, there's simply no reason that Angel Sanchez should have been out on the street instead of behind bars awaiting trial. All right, on to today's uh, armed citizen story from the Chicago suburbs, actually. The uh, Chicago Tribune reporting on an attempted burglary of a gun store or a gun range uh, in Oak Forest, Illinois. An employee of the Eagle Sports Range told police that he and five other men were in a uh, upstairs area of the business when they uh, power to the business shut off and employees heard a gunshot outside of the building. So the employee of this gun range goes outside. He sees a man standing in a grassy area nearby. The unknown man then fires two or three shots at the employee, who then returned fire with a single shot. Again, not sure why you try to shoot at the employee of a gun range, but, you know, not every criminal uh, can can be a uh, Mensa member, I suppose. The burglar then uh, ran west along the building, north down a a driveway between the uh, range and another business uh, the employee and other men actually went up on the roof of the building trying to spot the suspect, but they were unsuccessful. Uh, when police arrived, they noticed that the west entrance door to the range had sustained damage from a gunshot. So that was the sound that the employees had heard was the guy trying to shoot his way into the range. Uh, the suspect described only as 5'7 to 5'9 with a thin build, not much of a description, uh, dropped a blue Chicago White Sox cap as he fled the scene. Maybe they can get DNA from the uh, sweatband there. Uh Again, glad to see that uh, the employees of this range are okay. Hopefully, the uh, dumb criminal will soon be caught. Again, I got to think of all of the businesses to burgle in the Chicago area. A suburban gun range, probably the least, least likely place to uh, hit if you want to get away unharmed as a criminal. Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day. I actually wrote about this uh, a couple days ago at Bearing Arms, but I, 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 I want to talk about this for a second. Here's the headline. Good Samaritan shot while trying to stop robbery in Oakland's Chinatown. You know, we have seen a number of crimes. We've reported on a number of crimes in Oakland's Chinatown this year, including one instance in which a, another good Samaritan fired a shot at a would-be robber who is trying to steal a woman's purse. She's there on the ground. He's assaulting her, trying to yank the bag off her. And this business owner sees what's going on, grabs his legally owned firearm, steps outside, fires a shot at the guy. Guy takes off running. The shop owner's arrested. 
I don't think they ever actually found the suspect, but the shop owner was arrested. And the police chief in, New- in uh, Oakland, Laron Armstrong, held a big press conference a couple days later saying, listen, we, I, I can't encourage anybody to do this. Don't, don't take matters into your own hands. Uh, if you see a crime going on, we need you to be a good witness. Not an armed citizen. Don't, don't come to the aid of somebody who is being attacked. Just, just watch. Just stand there and watch. Provide a description. Hopefully something a little bit more specific than, oh, it's 5'7 to 5'9 and he had a slim build. Yeah. So this past weekend, two guys with guns try to rob a, uh, a, a, a two couples who are walking down the street in Chinatown. They go for the woman's purses. Uh, one of the uh, woman's boyfriends stepped up and tried to stop the attack. He was pistol whipped. And that's when a, another individual identified only as Mr. Lee saw what was going on, ran in, tried to help as well. He was shot twice for his trouble. Uh, he said, quote, I really wanted to try to de-escalate the situation. He was shot in the armpit. He was shot in the right leg. Thankfully, he's been released from the hospital. He says, I wouldn't call myself a hero. So they can call me a hero if they want. I just consider myself as trying to help someone in need. I'm pretty sure that they really needed help. Yeah, I think they did. And I think that actually it was heroic for you to do this. Uh, Carl Chan, who's the president of the Oakland Chinese Chamber of Commerce, said many of us, we feel strongly that this brave young man was willing to risk his life. These are the heroes. Uh, and he said that Chan, or Chan said that criminals are being emboldened by the revolving door of the criminal justice system. He said the whole problem is not about the police. It's about being caught. They'll be released, if not the same day, probably the next morning. This crime happened just a few blocks away from Oakland Police Headquarters. And I want to know from Chief Laron Armstrong, do you, uh, do you have any additional thoughts on telling people, hey, don't step up and help? Don't step up when you see somebody being attacked? Do you have any second thoughts maybe about telling people, I would want you to be armed citizens? Would you really prefer that people just huddle helplessly? While strangers are being assaulted on the street, while their family members are being robbed in broad daylight, you'd really prefer that they just do nothing. Take notes. Oh, we had a bit of a mustache there, I think. And oh, there was a mole right there. Is that really what you want? Because I got to tell you, I think the people of Oakland are fed up with this. Uh, We've seen the defunding of the police department. And Chief Armstrong has complained about that. And rightfully so. But look, you're taking money from law enforcement, Oakland, California, Alameda County, one of those counties in California that doesn't recognize self-defense as a valid reason to obtain a concealed carry permit. So the criminals have the upper hand here. You've got a beleaguered police force, and you've got, a, in essence, a, an unarmed citizenry on the streets, which forces people like Mr. Lee, who want to do the right thing and help others, to do so at much greater risk to their own life. So I am glad that Mr. Lee was in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. But damn, I really wish the laws in California allowed, recognized, not even allowed, that the laws of California recognized the right of the people to keep and bear arms in self-defense and defense of others. As a matter of fact, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that later today on BearingArms.com. I'd encourage you to check out the uh, website each and every day. Uh, and if you like what you see, you can always become a VIP member. That's going to get you more exclusive analysis and commentary that you won't find anywhere else. Also help you uh, support programs like this each and every day. So we do thank you for your support. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But until then, be well. 
Be safe and be free.